you guys flickers of fear time once again so a while back if you guys remember i think it was a movie retrospective that we did probably several months to a year ago so we did a review of the classic 1962 film whatever happened to baby jane and after we watched that i kind of went a little bit down <laughs> of a little bit of a mini rabbit hole, I guess, about the small but potent psychobitty subgenre, which is also known by the delightful name of hagsploitation. So you can probably guess just from the names, like what these movies involve, but on the off chance that you can't, uh, they're basically horror films, thrillers, where the antagonist is like a demented old woman, uh, usually specifically one that used to be beautiful and glamorous, like back in the old days, but has since gone completely off the deep end and has just become crazy and or murderous. So other examples other than Whatever Happened to Baby Jane would be like 1964's Hush, Hush, Sweet Charlotte, um, Whatever Happened to Aunt Alice from 1969, which a lot of these titles are very, very similar. Um, and 1971's What's the Matter with Helen, which actually happened to be directed by the same guy, Curtis Harrington, who directed the movie that we're talking about on this video today. Uh, Curtis Harrington, incidentally, also he directed a bunch of movies, uh, including Ruby from 1977 with Piper Laurie, which you haven't seen that is uh, actually pretty good. So I, I don't think I'd necessarily call that exploitation, but it's a similar kind of thing. Uh, he also actually directed the pretty great and sadly fairly underrated 1961 film Night Tide, which I think I reviewed on this Flickers of Fear series like some time ago. And he also did the 1970 uh, psychological horror film, which I think was made for TV, which was called How Awful About Alan, which starred Anthony Perkins, which is another movie that I kind of want to get around to doing one of these days. So the movie that we're talking about today, though, is called Who Slew Auntie Rue? Um, although I will note that in the UK and on the title screen, it's actually whoever slew Auntie Rue. So this was released in 1971 and stars Shelley Winters as the psycho biddy in question. Uh, this is actually based somewhat on Hansel and Gretel, you know, the fairy tale, and set around the holidays. So Who Slew Auntie Rue uh, totally counts, totally counts as a Christmas horror movie, uh, which is why I specifically chose to watch it in December and review it around this time period. Now, I will say right from the outset that this is not a great movie by any stretch, but it is a lot of campy fun and does feature just like a whole fucking, you know, horse stable full of recognizable British actors. Uh, because this, I believe, even though it was uh, American International Pictures, I believe, was the uh, distributor. But this was actually a US-UK co-production that was shot at Shepperton Studios in London. Now, I don't think that the time period of the story, like specifically the year, is ever stated explicitly. But it seems to be taking place around maybe like the end of the 19th century or the or the beginning of the 20th century the whole vibe of it is very dickensian you know what i mean uh and especially more because it's like set at christmas time so there's a bunch of adorable little moppets who live at an orphanage in whatever picturesque village this is taking place in and every year uh the 10 best behaved of them are selected to go to this big lavish Christmas party, which is hosted by a local widow named Rosie Forrest, who's obviously played by Shelley Winters. 
Now, all the kids every year, like, jockey to go because Mrs. Forrest lives in this big, massive mansion that looks a little bit like a gingerbread house. Uh, you know, there's that Hansel and Gretel thing again. And she always lays out this big, massive spread of food and buys really nice, expensive gifts for all of the children that are lucky enough to be invited to the party. So Mrs. Forrest, by the way, was apparently once quite a well-known stage actress back in her younger days, but she gave up her career to marry a very wealthy and I guess world-famous magician who has since died or gone to the other side of the mirror, as she puts it. Um, so basically it seems like he left her all his money. So the couple also had a daughter named Catherine but Catherine also died in a tragic accident sometime before involving a staircase banister. And Mrs. Forrest has, understandably, never really gotten over it. So whenever she feels especially lonely or vulnerable or whatever, she calls up her favorite medium, whose name is Mr. Benton. And he's played by the legendary stage actor Sir Ralph Richardson, who actually played the Supreme Being in that Terry Gilliam movie, Time Bandits, from 1981. I mean, among many other roles, he's mostly known as like a Shakespearean or like a stage actor, but he was been in, he's been in some movies. I think he was also in Dragon Slayer now that I'm thinking about it. But yeah, so she has Mr. Benton come over to do a seance and contact the ghost of her dead daughter so she can like talk to her. Unbeknownst to Mrs. Forrest though, uh, Mr. Benton has been faking these spirit communications the whole time, uh, actually with the help of two of the household servants who actually like take a cut of his fee. Like Mrs. Forrest pays, you know, pays him and then he breaks off a little bit for his little uh, confederates there. So on this particular Christmas, uh, 10 of the orphans as usual are selected to go to the party. But the troublemaker, Christopher, who's actually played by Mark Lester, who was in a lot of stuff as a kid. He was in Oliver, he was in Black Beauty, stuff like that. And his younger sister, Katie, who's played by Chloe Franks. She was actually in a bunch of horror and thriller type movies. She was in The House of Dripped Blood. She was in Straw Dogs. Uh, she was in Tales from the Crypt, the anthology movie. Um, yeah, so that brother and sister are not among the children who get chosen because I guess they've been bad this year. So because they feel a little bit cheated and overlooked and think this whole thing is bullshit, they decide that they're going to stow away in the back of the carriage or vehicle that's taking the kids to Mrs. Forrest's house. Now, not too long after arriving at the mansion, they get busted by the ever so slightly unhinged butler, whose name is Albie, and he's played by Michael Gothard, I guess is how you pronounce his last name. He was in uh, the Ken Russell movie, The Devils. He was in Life Force, the Toby Hooper movie from the 1980s, you know, the one with the naked space vampire. He was in that as well. Um, so yeah, so this guy like catches them and actually like threatens to cut out the boy's tongue and looks as though he'd really like have a good time doing that. So, no. But when Albie brings the two kids into the living room, like Mrs. Forrest doesn't seem upset at all by these two stowaways um, and kind of figures, hey, whatever, like the more the merrier. She's got money, she's got plenty of food, blah, blah, blah. It's not really that big a deal. Um, probably contributing to her somewhat chill attitude toward these, you know, two, two little miscreants like showing up is the very close resemblance of little Katie to Mrs. Forrest's dead daughter. So as the night goes on, I'm presuming it's Christmas Eve, they have like a fantastic time, all the kids do, stuffing themselves with just roast turkey and gingerbread and cranberries and all the good stuff. Then Mrs. Forrest reads them, Twas the Night Before Christmas, and then kind of sends them all, tucks them all into bed. You know, nobody get up. It's like, you'll see what Father Christmas brought you in the morning and shit like that. Christopher, though, is 
suspicious of Mrs. Forrest's motives. Like, yeah, sure, she seems very warm and kind and generous and all of that, but Christopher is little, he's very sharp-eyed, he's very nosy, and he sees a few odd things around the place, uh, such as he sees a woman in a, like, a supply closet type thing pretending to be the voice of a ghost um, during one of Mrs. Forrest's seances. And even more alarmingly than that, Mrs. Forrest herself, like he kind of sneaks around and sees her done up like all in Victorian morning clothes. And she's talking to the mummified remains of a little girl that are like stashed in this secret nursery room up in the attic. So later on, Mrs. Forrest actually asks Katie, the little girl, if she'd like to stay with her indefinitely and be her new daughter. And although she doesn't say it outright, she seems to imply that Katie's brother Christopher uh, is not invited to be a part of this little package deal that she's proposing. Katie, though, doesn't really seem to give it. She's all about it. Um, She's basically like, hey, Mrs. Forrest is nice to me. I mean, you know, she's an orphan. She's like, she's nice to me. She gave, you know, she gives her like a big, huge teddy bear named William, uh, who's just like one that she used to have when she was littler, gives her all kind of like delicious food, like plays with her, plays tea with her and stuff like that, promises her like a comfortable life of just endless love and luxury. So, you know, what's not to like? So when the staff from the orphanage arrive on what, again, I presume is box day because they actually stay over like uh, a night or two so you know so the orphanage people come to like collect the children and take them back to the home katie is nowhere to be found and mrs forrest claims to have no idea where that little scamp could have gotten off to now christopher at this point tries to tell the adults that mrs forrest like straight up kidnapped his sister But since mrs forrest is a beloved local figure and christopher is known to be something of kind of like a little bit of a tearaway who makes up stories and lies and stuff, no one really believes him. Mrs. Forrest says, oh yeah, I'll absolutely keep an eye out for Katie, uh, no two ways about it, and then she's like, bye, see you guys uh, later. Later that night though, uh, Christopher sneaks out of the orphanage and makes his way back to the mansion, uh, you know, pretty much dead set on rescuing his sister. Now, when he gets into the house, he finds his sister very happily, like, playing up in the nursery and seemingly not terribly concerned about going back to the children's home, even though Mrs. Forrester is essentially, like, keeping her prisoner. She's pretty much, like, locked in this one room, but she's just like, whatevs, like, all the toys and food are here, so what's the, what's the difference? Now, Christopher... Because he had recently read Hansel and Gretel to Katie, he's become convinced that Mrs. Forrest is a witch who is planning on eating them. And subsequent events only kind of cement this suspicion in his mind. One of these being like Mrs. Forrester keeps repeatedly like sending Christopher out to get more and more firewood so that the stove can be like extra hot for whatever it is that she's planning on cooking. Like she's got all her recipe books and she's making some stuffing and she's obviously like planning something and he's like, yeah, it's going to be like a children roast is what he's, is what he's afraid of. Now, as I mentioned, this isn't a particularly scary film, but it does kind of have its trashy charms. I have to admit, uh, Shelley Winters is, pretty over the top. She kind of straddles the line between a sort of pitiable has-been, I guess, and a little bit of a delusional monster, but she's still kind of like sympathetic for all of that. But she never really reaches the 
sort of exalted horrific heights of you know some like betty davis and whatever happened to baby jane who's actually like kind of terrifying um you know and that's the movie that this was clearly inspired by now the holiday setting around this i really liked that it's very effective though i will say too that this isn't even as frightening as like any of the versions of a christmas carol with the terrifying ghosts and stuff i did like the seances i like that kind of setup and i liked the mummified corpse aspect i think the stuff would have been scarier if more of it was filmed at night or in like a more shadowy kind of thing but it's very a lot of it takes place in the day or in very well-lit rooms and i think that kind of like undercuts its creepiness a little bit even though some of the imagery and the ideas behind it are kind of creepy i just wish it could have been like you know just filmed in a more like creepy or more horror type of way um there was also like um a good scene where Christopher and Katie discover this shed that has some of um, Mr. Forrester's old magic tricks in it. And one of these includes a working guillotine that uh, really should have a safety warning on it or a safety bar, something like that. Because they're all thinking, oh, it's a magic trick and it's fake. And, you know, Christopher tells his sister, hey, get in there. We'll try it out. And it's like, luckily, she pulls her head out at the last second, but like puts the teddy bear and then it cuts the teddy bear's head off. So it's an actual guillotine that doesn't even have anything like around it to like warn you, hey, don't stick your head in here because it'll actually like cut it off. I was like, holy shit. Um, so, yeah, so there's that. That was actually like a really cool scene. And Ralph Richards is also really entertaining as the scamming medium, um, though I kind of wish he'd been in it a little bit more. He's not in it a great deal. Um, the child actors, I'd say pretty good for this kind of thing. Um, you know, like I said, these child actors were quite famous, like for the era, like they were better known child actors. They were in a lot of things like when they were kids. And one thing that I do wish, like other than this being like, I wish it had been filmed a little bit more creepy, like rather than everything just being in these well-lit rooms. I wish that the look of the film would have leaned a little more into the fairy tale concept because seeing as how this was essentially based on Hansel and Gretel, I kind of wish that it had gone slightly more. I'm not saying that it had to go like in a more fantasy kind of way, but I wish the look of it had been a little more fantastical, if that makes any sense. But I guess this was actually sort of meant to be, uh, you know, more of a realistic take on the story and not something that was that had like any fairy tale kind of aspects to it. So I will say, though, if you've kind of seen all the more classic, you know, Christmas horror movies and are looking for something that's very Christmas specific, but has more of like a 70s TV movie vibe, you know, then this might just be your cup of tea. You might dig it. Um, it's kind of like a Christmassy mashup of like Charles Dickens, with like the Brothers Grimm, and maybe like a low rent Sunset Boulevard or something like that. Like I said, it very much has that psycho, psycho bitty kind of uh, vibe to it. So you'll probably have a good time with it if this is a Christmas movie that you haven't really seen. Like, you know, if you've seen some of the other ones, then check it out. It's a lot of fun, actually. And that will do it for this Flickers of Fear. I'll see you guys again on the next one. Bye.